Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn, where we get a chance to sit down and have a conversation with Pastor Zellner and learn how God's Word applies to our lives. Welcome back to Conversations. I'm your host, Will Leitner. Today we're talking about the final sola of the five solos of the Protestant Reformation, Soli Deo Gloria. I'm here sitting with my pastor, Eric Zellner. How are you doing today? I'm great, Will. How are you? I'm fantastic, as I've been for all these episodes. And today is the (laughs) final conclusion for Soli Deo Gloria, um, for the glory of God alone. So I think one thing that'll really help everyone who's listened so far is maybe if you could give a general recap of everything we've learned up to this point and how it all points to this final conclusion. Sure. Yeah. The uh, you know we began our conversation on uh, the solas with sola scriptura, and that is that scripture alone is our only uh, only ultimate and final authority uh, for that which is true um, for faith and practice. Uh, then we went to. Uh, sola gratia by grace alone and we looked at the fact that salvation is given to sinners uh, solely and completely by grace it has nothing to do with our merit or anything that we've done to earn it Uh, then we talked about sola fide which is by faith alone Uh, and the reference there of course is that we talked about how abraham uh, believed god and it was credited to him as righteousness it has always been that the way someone was granted salvation was by believing God to be uh, true to his word. And then uh, last time we talked, we spoke about uh, Solus Christus, and this is that uh, Jesus Christ alone is uh, the mediator who stands between us and God, and he alone is the the way through whom we receive salvation, Uh, John 14, 6. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. Um, but, Will, as we, you and I were talking offline, one of the things that is, that is spoken of by theologians is that, that sola, soli deo gloria is uh, either the last of these because they all lead to God's glory, or it's the first of these because everything flows uh, from God's glory and all of salvation and everything that we have and know and understand in God's word is about his glory. So uh, that's where we are today. We're going to talk about soli deo gloria, to God alone be the glory. That's great. So maybe let's talk a little bit more about what it means to live a life that is for the glory of God alone. And so what relevance does this 16th century doctrine, or I guess it's Mm. not really from the 16th century, it's throughout the history of the church, but really emphasized by the reformers, what relevance does it have for our life today? And how can we see this throughout the scripture that God is for God? Yeah, let's let's begin by talking about um, one of the passages that's really key in understanding this, and then we'll talk about um, where it comes from. The, the, The passage that is pretty standard for people to consider for this particular doctrine is Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Uh, now, 
in the at, at the time of the Protestant Reformation, uh, some of the early reformers were recognizing that there was glory or homage being given to saints, and and in the Catholic Church, of course, saints are are those who have been specifically declared to be saints by um, by a particular uh, pope or council. Um, and then also glory was being given to Mary. Uh, glory was being given um, to various popes. And the, the Protestant Reformation sought to uncover and, and remind us that all of life is really directed towards the glory of God. And so, uh, Will, this has two components, right? Number one, I, I would just say it has a, it has a God reference, uh, and, that, and that is this. All things are going to work for the glory of God uh, no matter what. Right? Everything in all of creation and everything about salvation and everything about your day-to-day and everything that's unfolding in human history will ultimately work towards the glory of God. The second component is as you and I are, are walking as believers in Christ, uh, because Jesus is our king and because God has, has reigned over us in salvation – then as his servants, all of our lives are then bent towards seeking his glory. Uh, and then the applications of that are really profound from mm-hmm. day to day. Absolutely. So let's get into a little bit of maybe those applications or how we see this through. You were talking sure. about the general biblical narrative. Yeah. I know you're preaching through Exodus right now. Do we see some of this yeah. in Exodus? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, that's That's exactly right. One of the things that we recognize in the in the Exodus and throughout the whole story of the Exodus is that God's people, the Hebrew people, are being saved out of bondage and slavery uh, for the purpose of His own glory. And, and and what He keeps doing is He keeps putting His identity on the hook with these slaves to say, uh, "I'm going to save you for my purposes, and my name is on the hook for this." So, um, and then of course from that. He is calling them to live a life directed towards his glory. When he promises to give them a land flowing with milk and honey, he's going to later say in, in later parts of the Pentateuch, make sure that when you get there, you do not forget who brought you here. Right. And do not forget my glory. So. I was thinking about Psalm 106 when you are talking about Exodus because obviously as we see God shows compassion to the people of Israel and he knows their troubles. Mm-hmm. So he is – for the nation of Israel, but what is the ultimate motivation for him rescuing him? Psalm 106, Mm. verse 7, Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, Mm. but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his namesake, that Mm. he might make known his mighty power. So God's ultimate motivation is always for his own glory. Yes, it's for our are good and for our enjoyment, but ultimately for His glory. And obviously, this points me. To, I immediately think of the Westminster Catechism. Talk a little bit about. Oh, uh, sure. I mean, you know, the shorter Catechism begins with what is man's chief end. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. The Exodus, as it's pictured in its physical form, um, and it, that is a physical deliverance from actual uh, human slavery, is is a foreshadowing of the true and final deliverance when God rescues his people from bondage to sin uh, through Christ. And Christ is the is the new Moses. Christ is the great deliverer, but this time sinless and perfect. And, and he, in fact, himself is the spotless lamb who serves 
in the place of the Passover blood. Uh, all of that, those two images are twin images, Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, and in both cases, God says, I am putting all of this together that I might receive glory in the salvation of my people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as we just said earlier, that means that there must always be a new response. Right. Um, my, my, my life then is bent towards his glory. So talk a little bit more about what that response looks like. What sure. does it mean to live a life for the mm. glory of God alone? Yeah, you know, Will, as you and I were talking about this, I think of these of these solas, this is the particular one that has struck me by way of uh, conviction. And, and what I mean, what I mean is this: um, I can academically tell you that Scripture is where we find all of our authority. I can academically tell you that salvation is by grace alone. I don't want it to remain an academic practice, but it can, right? Uh, And the same is true with faith alone and Christ alone. Uh, When you come to Soli Deo Gloria, it it actually demands that you um, examine your own heart, uh, and you you begin to to evaluate uh, where your own heart is. So, you know, is my life filled with the kind of integrity that would be giving glory to God. When it's just me uh, by myself and the Lord alone is the only one who knows, is my heart bent towards seeking his glory? Are my thoughts bent towards seeking his glory? And so, you know, if you're a student, um, there's going to be decisions concerning integrity, uh, tests you take uh, that you could potentially cheat on, whether you uh, whether you would be known, noticed for it or not, um, God's glory is uh, is a part of the motivation that would drive you. Uh, when you're alone uh, with another person, and you know physical relationships are involved, uh, here is an opportunity for me to live out my life for the glory of God. So, so part of what this means will um, every person can consider a way that this applies to them. But one of the most helpful things that you can do is simply evaluate the various aspects of your life, the various uh, corners of your life, right? Is my, is my work life being lived for the glory of God? Is my prayer life being lived for the glory of God? My spiritual life, uh, my emotional life, uh, my physical life, are these areas being lived for the glory of God? And so another way that you can do that is you can simply look at what functional roles the Lord has called you to play in this moment right? Uh, Is my life as a son being lived to the glory of God? Is my life as a husband being lived to the glory of God? Is my life as a pastor being lived to the glory of God? Is my life as a student being lived to the glory of God? Um, Is my life as a construction contractor being lived to the glory of God? All of those things uh, tell what, what Soli Deo Gloria does is it makes everything else come under the reign of God and his glory. Absolutely. And since everything is under the reign of God, mm. then that means every activity has tremendous value and meaning. Yes. I remember mm. um, coming into college having this sort of heightened importance towards spiritual activities, mm. as if going to a bunch of Bible studies or worship nights was more valuable than me studying for my tests. <laughs> and if everything is for mm. the glory of God, then it really 
equalizes the value of works mm. in the eyes of God because whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it for the glory of God. So whether it's mm. changing a diaper or studying for calculus two or preaching to thousands of people in Africa, right. they all can be used for the glory of God. So mm. all have tremendous value. Yeah. Well, you know, I think um, I think what that does is it helps us because I, I don't I don't want for us to to simply think at the at the level of uh, how I'm living my life, right? What I would want us also to do is to examine the the heart that we have towards the Lord, because um, if we just think and talk and talk in terms of God's glory, and ultimately um, that puts Him as a king on His throne, and we His subjects. But the other aspect of Soli Deo Gloria, which plays into precisely what you just said. And this keeps it from being a man-centered legalism, and that is this. If I love my Savior who redeemed me, then how can my heart reflect my love for him? If he really is my king, and he really did draw me from the pits of hell, and he really does continue to give me grace um, far better than I deserve, then my heart is actually warmed at his kindness to me. Uh, and when I recognize his extraordinary grace and mercy to me, uh, then it makes Soli Deo Gloria a matter of the heart. If God is after his own glory, and I belong to him, and he's adopted me into his family, then as a son of the living God, I also want his glory. Um, it suddenly it suddenly becomes a more warm and intimate doctrine than just simply high and distant. And going back to the catechism, like living for God's glory is for our enjoyment. Oh, and right. so it's not as if like living for God's glory should be burdensome mm-hmm. or not, not to say it won't be challenging at times, but it's certainly for our ultimate joy. It's like, you know, fish aren't supposed to climb trees. And as human beings, we are made and designed to live for mm-hmm. the glory of God. And I um, can think about J.C. Ryle saying, uh, young men, I wish you did but know the comfort of a conscience not burdened by youthful sins. Mm-hmm. And so it's really sin that is the greater burden. It's living for the glory mm-hmm. of God that's joy because it doesn't yeah. it's fulfilling it doesn't leave the bitterness of sin yeah. and uh, truly is the way that we are designed mm-hmm. to live for God because he's like we've been saying this whole time so adamant about getting his glory and see I think that I think that's incredibly comforting because uh, if the Lord knows us if the Lord made us and created us he fashioned us uh, with this being our greatest delight so we will find in our own selves a kind of freedom and a kind of joy that would flow from us uh, simply out of a, out of a creation design pattern, right? When, and, and the only thing I can uh, compare this to is I think you see this. When people become extraordinarily famous um, and, and they get a lot of congratulations and a lot of pats on the back and adulation from human beings, uh, they almost always consume themselves. This is the reason you see people uh, – giving themselves over to various uh, passions or, I don't know, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, uh, and they end up consuming themselves because they're not capable of bearing that kind of adulation, Mm -hmm. right? God's actually designed us uh, to find freedom and joy when our hearts are directed towards him. 
so that everything in our lives uh, functions more rightly when it is uh, our hearts are aligned with the, the commands of God that I'm going to uh, that he's after his own glory and I'll actually receive joy and blessing by being a part of that. And I think a great model for this, just one man that comes to mind, John the Baptist, when oh, yeah. John chapter 3, a, a guy walks up to him having a question about purification, essentially is asking him, like, who's got a better baptism? Because mm-hmm. Jesus has now started to baptize across the Jordan, <laughs> and John the Baptist is the baptism guy. Mm-hmm. So who who has the more pure baptism? And you just hear uh, John the Baptist's words, and he says, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I've been sent before him. The one who is who has the bride is the bridegroom, so the one who has the father is the son. The friend of the bridegroom, the friend of Jesus, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. And so when you do live your life for the glory of God, there's extreme contentment and joy that you can live out in the wilderness and eat locusts and honey because you don't need the worldly pleasures. Uh, You don't need the attention from others. You don't need all those self-seeking things that you can do for glory because you're only after God's glory. And since God is being glorified, then your joy is complete because you just want to hear the you're just a friend of the bridegroom and you mm-hmm. rejoice to hear his voice so well i, I think, think that's what you're describing is humility right it's, totally. it's the lord uh must increase and i must decrease that's that's actually part of uh why christians can and should be marked by humility um because their our king is very great and i am not very great mm-hmm. right and all of that is is uh, a beautiful comfort for us. In in that humility is where I find my deepest delight and contentment, just like you said. Absolutely. And since God is for God, then we can have real assurance and comfort because he's just going to make sure he uses us for that glory. And it all points to the book of Revelation mm-hmm. when for, <laughs> you know, all the Christians throughout all of eternity from every tribe and nation and tongue mm-hmm. will give him that perfect glory and we'll say it was all to him and to mm-hmm. him alone. Yeah, that's exactly right, Will. I think that there, I'm using this Sunday a passage from Revelation chapter 4 that, that speaks of the, the elders laying their crowns down at the feet of the Lamb. Um, and in that particular passage, we recognize that this whole thing, uh, what we, you and I consider our past, our present, our future, our lives, was ultimately for the purpose of laying down our crowns at the feet of the King, uh, that he would receive his glory. And we will be in in the greatest happiness in that place. Amen. So we pray that God will use this podcast and Christ Presbyterian Church and whoever is listening in your life for his ultimate glory. Uh, Pastor Donna, thank you so much for your time. Do you have any thoughts to conclude? No, this is great. Thanks so much, Will. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening to our final Sola, Soli Deo Gloria. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll, we'll see you guys for our next series of podcasts coming soon. Goodbye.